0: Do you know how to practice love? Well, this is The Christian Working Woman with Mary Lohman, and I'm Julie Bastide. That's a rather odd way to put it, right? How to practice love. So if you're wondering what in the world I'm talking about, I
1: invite you to keep listening because that's Mary's topic for today. Yeah, it does sound a little backwards, Julie, Mm -hmm. because we don't think of love as something we need to practice, do we? Mm -hmm. I mean, we think it's just a feeling, an emotion, But actually, the kind of love we read about in 1 Corinthians 13 is something we definitely need to learn how to practice.
0: Right. Well, 1 Corinthians 13 really is known as the love chapter,
1: right? Lots of times you hear it read at wedding ceremonies. Yeah, it's fairly well known because it's beautiful poetry, actually. I remember that as a young junior Sunday school student, I memorized First Corinthians 13. I think I can still quote it pretty well. But like many other familiar scripture passages, I've quoted it and I've heard it so often that the full implications of its teaching, you know, it just sometimes eludes me. Mm, I I know what you mean. We talk the talk,
0: but we really need to walk the walk. So today you're going to help us figure out how we can
1: practice real God-like love. So we're ready to get into it, Mary, and I'll turn it over to you. Well, I want to read this very familiar passage just to refresh our memories of the importance of love as set forth in these 13 verses of 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have no love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away." For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known." And now these three things remain—faith, hope, and love—but the greatest of these is love. Well, this definition and description of love is quite the opposite of what we think of as love today. But this is God's kind of love, and it's the kind of love we should have for God and for others. Some dear friends once asked me, how can we pray for you? And my ready reply was, just pray that I'll love Jesus more, and I'll have a heart to love others. If those things are in place in my life, everything else follows. And if not, nothing I do has any importance or meaning. Paul said, I could speak with the voice of an angel, but it wouldn't mean anything without a loving heart. Paul also said that love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, this was a radical statement in his day because all of his fellow Jews were focused on fulfilling the Ten Commandments and the 110 other commandments which they had manufactured out of them. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been just to remember all of them? And now Paul brings this revolutionary principle. If you do one thing, you will do all these 110 things without even having to think about them. If you love, you will unconsciously fulfill the whole law. If we focus on one thing, being filled with love for Jesus and love for others, all other spiritual virtues just follow. Yet so often we reverse the process. I think of a woman who is in many ways very godly. She prays a lot. She studies her Bible a lot. She's at church every service and keeps herself separate from harmful activities of any type. In many ways, her life is exemplary, and yet when she's with people, Almost every time she causes others to be uncomfortable and hurts feelings because of her words, which usually sound unloving and self-righteous. Oh, we need to pray and read our Bible and keep our lives separate from worldly actions. But these things should follow love, not preceded. Without being focused on love, we may do a lot of things that look good, but they won't impress God because he says without love, it amounts to nothing in his sight. Paul begins that 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians by contrasting love with several things. First, with eloquence. I would truly love to be a great speaker. I'd love to be one of those people who can mesmerize an audience with an incredible ability to communicate, you know. But Paul reminds me that even if I could speak like an angel, it would be a big zero without love. Then he contrasts love with the gifts of prophecy and the ability to understand great mysteries and knowledge. Just imagine being able to speak prophetically and explain the deep truths of the Bible. Wouldn't it be great to have all knowledge of these things so that we could clear up mysteries and impart understanding? Yeah, but without a loving, caring heart, it counts for nothing. I want to be a woman of faith and I pray that God will increase my faith. But you know, I could demonstrate faith so great that miracles could take place in front of your eyes, but without love, it would amount to nothing. I don't know any martyrs personally, do you? But there've been many, and even in our day, there's still many people who are willing to give their lives for the gospel. I wonder if I would have that much commitment if it came down to it, Well, even if I did without love, it wouldn't count. I could give everything I own away to poor people, but it's not enough without love. Well, Paul certainly wanted to get this point across to us, didn't he? That's because he knew that love is the missing ingredient so very often. And he knew that if love is there, all these other things follow in the right way. So how about in your life? Are you busy doing things for Jesus? That's great, but does it come from a heart overflowing with love? Do you stand true to Jesus on your job, and is your life pure and blameless? Great, it should be, but how about your love for those people you rub shoulders with each day? Do you love even the unlovable, even those who are your enemies? You know, the definition of love is not easy to come by because we talk about love in all kinds of meanings. We say, I love my dog. I love my job. I I love my new shoes. I love my family. I love God. But all of those have different meanings and values to us. Paul gives us a list of the evidences of love, and here they are. Patient, kind, generous, humble, courteous, unselfish, good-tempered, without guile. You'll notice that all of these relate to people and how we treat them. Loving God is not difficult to do when you have some understanding of what he is like, but loving people, (laughs) that's the rub. Someone has said the greatest thing a person can do for his heavenly father is to be kind to some of his other children. (laughs) Well, every time you and I lack patience in our treatment of others, we lack love. Whenever we fail to be kind, even to strangers and people who are not kind to us, we have failed in the love department. When you lose your temper or behave in a sullen and moody way, you're not living in love. When you talk about yourself a lot and make yourself the center of attention, you're not treating others lovingly. You know, as I've explored this meaning of love, according to this definition, many times I just want to crawl under a table. I mean, I miss the mark so often. If love doesn't consume me so that I demonstrate these qualities in my life consistently, all this time and effort I put into ministry just doesn't count for anything. Try to let that principle sink into your head and to your heart. What we do counts for a big zero if we don't practice love on a consistent basis. Well, how in the world can we learn to practice love? Let me encourage you to begin by reading 1 Corinthians 13 every day for at least the next 30 days. The more you read it and meditate on it, the more you're going to want to love. And then pray that chapter into your life each day. Pray the specific characteristics of love and ask God to help you practice them. So when we see inappropriate behavior in our lives, behavior that doesn't match First Corinthians 13, it's because we haven't first focused on filling our lives with love. How much do you pray that God will fill you with his love? How much do you think about the qualities of love in your life? Remember, everything we've done without a loving motive is going to be wood, hay, and stubble when we see Jesus. It will burn up at the judgment seat and count for nothing in eternity. In his small but powerful book entitled The Greatest Thing in the World, Henry Drummond writes, The world is not a playground. It is a schoolroom. Life is not a holiday, but an education. And the one eternal lesson for us all is how better we can love. What makes a person a good artist or painter or mathematician? Well, practice. And how do we become better at loving people? practice, we must learn to practice love. First Corinthians 13 is not a feeling or an enthusiastic emotion. Oh, sometimes it includes good feelings and emotions, but often it's simply a choice, a decision to do what love would do without the feelings or desire. That means we can love people who are not lovable, <laughs> people who are our enemies, who give us headaches, who make our life difficult. That's because I can choose to be kind. I can choose not to be rude. I can choose not to boast about myself. I can choose to forgive. I can choose not to pass along the bad things I hear about someone, but focus on the good instead. I can choose never to give up on someone, to keep hoping and hanging in there with him or her. And when I do those things, I am practicing love. Why don't we then make a decision to practice love, just like we'd practice the piano, right? As I was reading that love chapter again, that phrase, love is not rude, really got to me. So I prayed, Lord, help me today not to be rude to anyone, the clerk in the store Help me to practice love by not being rude. That's how you learn to put this beautiful passage of scripture into your life and make it real. So here's my challenge to all of us. Make a commitment to read 1 Corinthians 13 every day for the next 30 days, and then pray that God will teach you how to practice love. I believe if all of us would do that, we would see miracles start to happen. Miracles in us, mostly, as we see how our attitudes toward other people change, and that would make miracles in our relationships. And to encourage you to do that, I've written a 30-day plan to practice love. I find that putting structure in place really helps me to put into practice what I know I should do. So this simple chart will help you to practice love as described in 1 Corinthians 13. And that will be transforming in your own life. You'll find a copy of this devotional as well as the form on our website. And that address is christianworkingwoman.org. It's a simple way to just keep track of the qualities of love that you want to have in your life that you want to practice every day and you pray it into your life and you remind yourself every day we would love to share that 30 day plan to practice love with you mary i'm looking at this
0: 30 day plan to practice love and i can see how it really could be helpful to remind us to do what we know I think this could be a big help to many people. So remember, you can find it right now on our website at christianworkingwoman.org, or
1: we'll mail it to you if you'll call us at 630 462 0552. You know, Julie, I just want to say that this message has just spoken to me once again, and I'm using this plan to practice love myself, so I invite others to join me.
0: Well, I know I'll be joining you, Mary. Remember, you can find the 30-day plan to practice love on our website, christianworkingwoman.org. There you can also find dozens of other resources that will help you as you seek to be an ambassador for Christ in your workplace. On our website, you can also register for our Zoom Bible study. It's never too late to sign up. So please join us every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time as we study the Psalms. We're grateful you could join us for another weekend devotional, and we look forward to being with you next week for The Christian Working Woman.